0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Jeff Mendelson, and this is the One Big Tip Podcast. My guest today is Kevin Eikenberry. Kevin is the Chief Potential Officer of the Kevin Eikenberry Group. With over 30 years of experience, Kevin has dedicated his career to helping organizations and leaders from over 50 countries become more effective. He is also a best-selling author with books such as Remarkable Leadership, From Bud to Boss, The Long Distance Leader, The Long Distance Teammate, and his newest release, The Long Distance Team. Throughout his career, Kevin has worked with a diverse range of organizations, from small businesses to Fortune 500 companies, and he has developed a reputation as a trusted advisor, coach, and consultant. So this is going to be a really interesting conversation today because we are talking all about, all about potential in creating a company culture. These are uh, some of my favorite topics to talk about. And Kevin, thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the show. Jeff, thanks for having me. And thanks for reading that introduction that my mother wrote.
1: Uh, No, seriously, it's a pleasure to be with you. I'm, I'm glad to be here.
0: I love it. Can you please take a minute and let everyone know a little bit more in depth who you are and how you are so amazing?
1: Well, I don't know about the amazing part, but I can tell you who I am. Uh, I grew up on a farm in Michigan and I went to school at Purdue and uh, so grew up on a farm. The important thing about that is that I grew up involved in a family business. And so I've been involved in business and working with others, trying to grow their businesses for much of my life. And after I graduated from school, I went on to work for Chevron. I was in the, I was in the fertilizer business. I was in the marketing world, sales and marketing world. Eventually found myself there into the training and development world at Chevron, left nearly 30 years ago to start the company that we now call the Kevin Eikenberry Group. And so I've had the good fortune to work with clients for the last 30 years, helping them be more effective, as you said, Jeff, and really having the great blessing to work with my team that we've built over the years. And maybe at least in part to the point of our conversation today, a team that is spread out virtually around the country.
0: You know, what's interesting? I tell people all the time, I don't care whether you're across the street or halfway around the world you are remote to me and i need to treat you as such right so i don't always have the option of being able to have coffee with you break bread and really get to know you know like who you are besides that little screen that i have to zoom right. in on so part of uh, my challenge as an agency owner is that i need to think about how do i foster this kind of culture not only with their with their relationships with me but with their relationships with everyone else who are completely spread out one of the things that i did this was actually more prevalent before covid nowadays it's a little bit harder to do is to actually get out and meet them in person and i was actually able to do that to you know go to uruguay go to argentina go to go to israel go to go to india go and meet these people in person and once you do that Uh, that's it. They're your best friend for life. You're the one that made an effort to go out there and and meet them in person. And that was my claim to fame, right? That was something that I was always trying to get people to do. What do you see as some of the challenges with getting people to foster a a team and a team culture, especially in a remote working environment that most of us are involved with today?
1: Yeah, I think that it's a really important question, Jeff, because the reality is that culture always exists. And because all culture is, is the way we do things here. And so whether we all gather every day in something that looks like an office or a warehouse or a factory floor or whatever, we have a culture then. Uh, But if your team is completely spread apart across the world, as you were describing, we have a company culture or an organizational culture then, because there's always a way in which we do things. And so what I have found is that in this time that we're living in right now, there are really three cultures that organizations need to be aware of of and think about. Number one is the culture we had, the culture that we had pre-pandemic and that many people are yearning to get back to because in many cases, they're trying to say culture equals being together. Isn't true. But we had that culture, which many people liked loved, and think they want to go back to. Then we have the culture that we have now as we're in this in-between time where we're maybe still deciding what we want to do for the future. And then we have the culture that we really want, what we would call an aspirational culture. And I think the big idea that I want to share today with all of you is that all three of those matter, but it's the one that's in the future that matters the most. Because while culture exists, the reality is we have the chance to change it to become what we want it to be. That's why we like to think aspirational culture.
0: So let's talk about that. Let's uh, you know, first let's define what the aspiration is, right? You could start out at a very raw foundational level. I just want people to do things for me at an, at an efficient cost. And you know, (laughs) you don't have it done, right? That's a pretty low bar, Jeff. That's a pretty low bar, but you know something, what happens is that, uh, yeah, there are many people that will come out of the woodwork and, you know, and get it, but that's not really going to make me happy. It's not going to make me happy knowing that I'm providing employment for someone who is not getting or does not buy into the values that I'm putting out there. So, I personally take a huge responsibility in thinking about who are the types of people that I want to work with, not only clients but also contractors, you know, specialists, things like that, and also try to propagate that so that everyone's on the same page. Like everyone knows like okay, you know, these are the people that we're trying to attract. I mean, just as a side note, if I have to, I will fire a client quicker than I'll fire a contractor, right? Simply because a contractor is like, well, you know, maybe I can mold them, you know, it becomes a teaching moment, things like that. You have a client that raises their voice to someone on my team. You are out of here. Like you are, you are gone. And, you know, I do that to protect, you know, the team that I'm creating. So let's talk about this a little bit. Well, first of all, how do you define the culture that, that you want to create? And then how do you start projecting that uh, so that everyone gets on board and is able to go and march to the same t- tune, so to speak.
1: So Jeff, you and I have something in common, and that is that we both own the company. Our name is on the door or whatever, we sign the paycheck. And so I know for many of you who are watching or listening, that's true for you as well. And here's what I would say. We may want to think about, well, this is the culture that I want. This is what I want to propagate. This is what I want my business to look like. And I would say, well, having your feelings about that are very important, but they can't be the only ones. Because if we want to lead from a place of compliance and say, this is what it is, this is the way it's going to be. And if you like that, great. And if you don't so long, that is fine, but it's not gonna get you where you really want to go. What you really wanna do if you wanna create an uh, aspirational culture is to bring the team together to create it collaboratively. Now, if your team is large enough, you have to do some different things. You can't maybe get everyone involved on the front end, but let's imagine that you have a team the size of mine, which is about 15 people. So 15 people can come together and you can use processes to create the chance to say, what would we want it to be? The aspirational culture is, Where's a place that we will do phenomenal work and love being where we are can be committed to doing it and the outcomes we get and not and the processes that get us there. And if we love all of that, what does that look like? So an aspirational culture is how do we really want it to be? around here. And certainly as a leader, especially for the owner, we have a place and a role in that, but it can't be just ours. So if we want to create a team or organizational aspirational culture, we have to engage the folks who are in that culture in the creation of it. And and, and one more thing, um, the comment here at the bottom says team or organization. We like to think about there being a macro culture. If you've got a bigger organization, you have a macro culture, right? And inside of that, every leader, every team has a micro culture. And many of those things will be the same across uh, from from individual team to organization, but they don't have to be exactly the same. If you've ever been in a medium-sized organization and walked from department to department and see that it's a little different, that's simply a description of or an observation of the Microcultures that exist. So again, the big idea is if you want to have an aspirational culture, you need to create it collaboratively with the group, because the more that they have ownership of that picture, the more committed they will be to reaching that picture. And it'll be a picture that's desirable for them as well.
0: So let's tease this out a little bit. Like in my case, I have people working for me today in South Africa, in the Philippines, mm-hmm. in Georgia, Tbilisi, not not Atlanta, right? And (laughs) you know, it's like, and they do gel pretty well together on Slack. Right. I mean, I, I I think that getting everyone into the same room is going to be a monumental challenge, you know, just on many levels, you know, some have families. And you don't have
1: to get them in the same room to do this, right. If that's Mm -hmm. where you're headed. Right. Um, But we, and, and we can think about doing it asynchronously, which we may need to do if we've got people in vastly different time zones, you know, we can collaborate synchronously, uh, using Zoom, using using Slack in some case, or or similar tools, but we can also do it asynchronously, right? So we can raise questions. We can talk about things in an asynchronous way to try to get us on the same page, understanding things in the same way. I think for this kind of a conversation, there's probably a place and a time to at least do it synchronously, at least some of it, but it certainly doesn't mean we have to all be in the same building. Or in the same physical location to do this by any stretch.
0: You know, I like that because there is a little bit of overlap during the day, right? You know, someone's going to have to sacrifice either. I'm going to have to be up at six in the morning or someone else is going to have to do this at eight o'clock at night. Like, But yeah, I mean, to your point, we would be able to at least get, you know, like everyone on Zoom if we absolutely had to, if it was something that critical.
1: And and I would say this, if it, whether it's creating a culture or any other kind of synchronous meeting, if you have that situation, you want to share the pain, if you will. So maybe sometimes we do it where you have to get up at six and sometimes, you know, someone else is is getting up at six. So it can be at four in the afternoon, your time or whatever that is. So be aware of that, that just because I'm the boss or I'm the leader doesn't mean that it should play out the way that works best for me. But over time, you want to kind of equalize that as much as you can, because likely that's one of the kind of things you want to create in a culture where people feel like they're all valued. And time is one of the things we all
0: value a great deal. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. Let's shift gears for a minute and talk about the benefits of going through this exercise, right? Once you make that, that conscious decision that you want your team to, you know, have this North Star to be guided to and you're putting in those tools that will help them get there, that they have the processes in place, they have the right training. They feel fulfilled in their jobs, all that stuff. What is the net result that you've seen in some of the trainings that you've done when you have helped other companies implement that?
1: Well, you just said part of it. Number one is if we are moving toward a place that I want to be, then I'm likely going to stay. So if we create an aspirational culture that I feel connected to, I'm likely to stay. So retention goes up and attracting the next talent that we need, probably is improved as well because why because people are going to want to come to a place that's actively working to create something that's a, a great place to work as well as a place that gets great work done so productivity go, will go up collaboration will likely go up the the quality of our relationships will likely go up talent retention will be higher, and it will be easier for us to attract talent. I mean, I could keep going. But Jeff, any one of those is probably reason enough, right? Um, If we want greater levels, higher levels of employee engagement, uh, sort of the holy grail that a lot of people want to talk about, which is no more than people saying, I'm choosing to be in, right? Like employee engagement is, is a decision that every individual makes. It's not a bunch of stuff that we do as leaders to give them to like say, now they will be. But it's a choice that they make if we engage them in important things like where do we want the culture to be like understanding how what we do matters and makes a difference outside of our team. If we do those things and we're leading towards commitment rather than simply leaning into people complying. And if we can do that, we get all sorts of great things for the organization and our results, but also for us as leaders and for everyone else on the team.
0: I love it. Kevin, thank you so much for breaking that down. Can you please let everyone know how they can learn more about your company and how they can reach out to you directly?
1: Well, if they can figure out how to spell Kevin Eikenberry, they can find me online. So you can certainly go to Kevin Eikenberry, dot com, And you can learn all about the products and services of our company and organization. And feel free if you're watching on YouTube to find our YouTube channel. If you're watching on LinkedIn to find us, to find me and connect with me on LinkedIn, I'd love to have you do that. But again, if you can find everything about what we're up to at com, I hope you do that. And Jeff, you know, you mentioned the new book the long distance team the long distance team you can find that on the website but you can also go to longdistanceteambook.com and in that book we talk a lot about the things that we've talked about today about how do we actually create that aspirational culture it goes far deeper than what we were, we were able to do in this short
0: conversation amazing Kevin thank you so much for joining me today it's been a lot of fun I love talking about this stuff and I really appreciate you breaking down these concepts for us
1: it was my pleasure thanks for having me Jeff
0: Thank you so much for listening to the one big tip podcast. If you're a six to eight figure entrepreneur, business coach, or speaker who would like to be on this show, we need to talk.